Well, uh, it's good that we can gather together today, and I have a, a topic that we've been going through this, this month called How to Receive the Promises of God, How to Receive God's Blessings. They're there for us. All we need to do is what? Receive them, kind of like going to will call. They're available. We just got to go pick them up. And how do we pick them up? By faith. Very good, very good. So today we're going to talk about one aspect of picking up the promises of God, the blessings of God, and it's called faithfulness. We have to know that God is faithful to His promises. Did you know that? He's faithful to His promises, and He's faithful to us whom He has called. When you marry somebody, you're faithful to them. You are responsible for them. You have to take care of them. I have that awesome responsibility to take care of Mary Mary Ann, no matter what's going on for the last 35 years, every day. (laughs) Got to figure out, what does she need? Lord, what does she need today? How can I help her? Because it's incumbent upon me, because I bought her with a price, in a sense, right? I got the ring. I went down the altar. I said, I do. And and I've been I-doing ever since. (laughs) Some people don't, but you're supposed to I do. So the Bible says that when you get closer to God, he gets what? Closer to you. Draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. So we're, uh, as you know, I'm going through some uh, health challenges. Anybody have any health challenges out there? Is that anybody? I got to see a couple of hands. How about financial challenges? Anybody have any financial challenges? Yeah. How about relationship challenges and things that aren't going exactly the way you want them to go? Not because of your fault, because of the other person, of course. They're the ones that's causing all the problems. If they would just get in line, everything would be fine. But no, they have to do it their way. They don't need to, you know. <laughs> Some people ask me, that, you know, they, they, they want to have a mate. They're looking for a husband or a wife. And I go, I've got to tell you something. You don't get the perfect mate when you pray. <laughs> You get a tarnished, broken, you know, mate that you have to work with, to compromise with, to get along with. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 You know, and so uh, sometimes, you know, you have to be perfected in your own self to be able to adjust and to be that person that can love the person even in their faults, even in their mistakes, and even in their iniquities. And we have to be mature enough to make up the difference. Praise the Lord. So... Um, We have to know that whatever we're going through, God is more than enough. So I'm going through some medical challenges, and I I revisited this one scripture, if we can look at it in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. My son, Pastor Chuck, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What does incline mean? Look, yeah, lean, incline, put aside everything else. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Well, I, I, I just had other things to do, Lord. No, no, no. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them where? In the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Here's the secret right here now, if you're believing for health issues. Put the Word of God in the midst of your heart because they're what? Medicine. How many of you have ever had medicine, gone to the doctors, they give you a prescription, and they say, take this once a week or once a day, twice a day, three times a day, and you take it, and does it go away that day? 
No, it takes time, doesn't it? Sometimes a week, uh, a month, sometimes a year, you keep taking it. And it's amazing how when things, when you take, like, an, say, an Advil, and you have a headache, or you have a knee problem, and, and you don't tell it where to go, but it does it by itself. It, you take it, it goes in your stomach, and it'll go to your head or go to your knee. Wherever you have a pain or a problem, it'll take care of it. Same thing with the Word of God. When you put it in, it's medicine. You don't see it doing the work, but it's working on the inside of you, ministering and, and, and going to those parts that need attention. And God works in you. So you can't give up. You can't say, oh, I, I took it for two days. I meditated in the Word for two days and nothing happened. No, you have to keep taking it day by day by day. And then before you know it, all of a sudden you're healed. Why? Because it's medicine. God's medicine is for you. And it works in everything. It works in healing. It works in finances. Whatever you're applying yourself to, put the Word of God in the midst of your heart, and it will be health to all of your flesh. Isn't that good news? So I'm taking the IV, you know, at Kaiser uh, once a week. They put something in me, and I just sit there and let it go into me. But I don't just take that. I come home, and I take my uh, Word IV, <laughs> I put the Word of God on the inside of me. I can do it 24 hours a day. I can wake up in the middle of the night and start talking about the Word of God and let it minister to me and, 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 and be medicine to my flesh. And I know that I'm doing the natural, but then also I'm doing the spiritual. I told the doctor, I said, my spiritual hopefully is going to catch up to your natural. <laughs> you keep doing the natural, but my spiritual, because the doctor can't really heal you. They can, they can make you better, but it's the Lord that heals you. Once and for all, because sometimes they do things and they say, well, this will last for, you know, a year or two, but I want a complete and total healing that lasts for forever until Jesus comes. Praise God. So I'm trusting in the living God that he will do those kinds of things. And so I went to a district meeting with other pastors, and I found out they're going through the same types of things, having the same kind of uh, challenges. One just got off of it. One's beginning to go on it. And so, you know, it's something that's prevalent in the world today. I don't know if What's in the world, what we eat, I don't know what we breathe, but, you know, there's all these things that are going on that causes our bodies to interact and react in a way that are not the way they're supposed to act. You know, they didn't have these kinds of diseases way back in the 1800s, but now they do because, I don't know, the way they process food, all these things. I mean, how many processed foods can you eat? I mean, we, you go to eat something, everything's in a box, <laughs> right? Hard to find just fresh, clean uh, produce or cr fresh, clean uh, food. Everything is processed, mass-produced. So we have to be vigilant, but know that the Lord is our healer. So as I saw that other people are going through the same thing, I found out in 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened. Don't, don't, don't be like concerned like, why me? Because things happen to everybody. And James says, but count it all joy ha! when you fall into diverse temptations and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, that you may be mature and, and wanting nothing. So God is just working maturity on the inside. I thought it was mature already, but no, I guess I need a little more maturity. So I have to count it all joy. Can't be sitting around the house going like, why me? Why did that happen to me? You know, Blind Bartimaeus, he didn't say, why am I blind? No, he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. So we have to reach out and know that we don't look at what happened. We look at what's going to happen in the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
There you go. Okay. <laughs> so the thing that I found that we have to realize is God is faithful to his promises. Amen? Do you know what faithful means? That means he's there no matter what. No matter what you do, he's there. He's there to uphold you. He's, up, he's there to uphold his word no matter what happens. So uh, this Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? You know, people say, yeah, I'm faithful. Some people boast about it. I'm faithful. I like that one member told the pastor, said, I'm with you, pastor, 100%. No matter what you go through, I'm with you. Unless you do something wrong, then I'm out of here, okay? <laughs> and what that means is, if you don't do it exactly the way I want you to do it, then I'm through, right? But, you know, you have to find faithful people that can surround you. And not, more importantly than that, are you a faithful person to your family, to your friends, to those that are not doing as well as they should? Do we just throw them away? Do we just give up? Or are we faithful to believe that God is going to work through us to help them do what they need to do? You know, sometimes we make up the difference. We're the ones that make up the difference that say uh, that is the bridge between what God wants to have happen in their life and the optimism that you need to have. I was talking to one lady last night, uh, yesterday. She said her husband had some illness, and he was trying to get down and be, you know, depressed about it. She said, I wouldn't have it. I kept saying, you're going to get over this. You're going to believe God, and you're going to see the end of it. And just be encouraged. If she would have given in to him, he wouldn't have anything to lean on or grab hold of. So we have to make up the difference. Some people are believing for their loved ones to uh, come to the Lord. Anybody believing for loved ones to come to the Lord? Amen. You can't be honorary. You can't say the things that you want to say. You can't say, well, you know, if you don't accept the Lord, you know where you're going to spend eternity. You're going to burn, baby. You're going to burn. Does that help? No. no. But you love them and say, I wish that you would come to know the Lord so that you can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Praise the Lord. So everyone can remember Someone that bailed on you. Can you remember some people that have bailed on you? Maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a partner, a, uh, somebody, your, your boss, you know, maybe fired you because you weren't doing exactly what you were supposed to do. Can anybody, anybody relate to that? Anybody? Anybody been burned? Yeah, I can see that. Okay. And, and so what do you do? You just keep moving on and believing. But you don't want to be that person that gives up. The Bible says, judge no one before the time. You don't know what's going to happen to them. You don't know how uh, God's going to move and, and um, do things in your behalf. Now, think about this. Even Jesus, when Judas came to betray him, what did, Judas, what did Jesus call Judas? Friend. Friend? Why do you do this, friend? And I was thinking about that. He had to forgive him. He had to call him friend because he was going to go be a sacrifice for our sins. He couldn't go to the Father with unforgiveness saying, you know, I was down there and Judas, I spent three years with him, I took care of him, I, I ministered to him, I made him an apostle, and look what he did. Can't, can't have that, right? You have to have yourself clear and clean. So I noticed this aspect of faithfulness in this scripture right here, the next one. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. When I first got saved and I wanted to be in the ministry, I said, oh, this is easy. 
All I have to do is be faithful. I can do that. Can't you? Go to a place where God has called you to be. Sit there and let God work on you. The Bible says we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in faith. Rooted and grounded where God has called us to be. Is that not so? When you go and plant your garden in the front yard and you plant a tree there and you go home and you, I mean, you go to your you know, house and you sleep and you wake up, you, you expect the tree to be there, don't you? You don't expect it to go over to another place. No. When God plants you in a place, in a church where you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be there and grow and nourish and, and flourish. And I look at, at Pastor Charlie. When he first came here, he, was, he wasn't an elder. He wasn't a pastor. All he was was Jeannie's husband. <laughs> yeah, first of all, boyfriend, right? Then he got promoted to husband. <laughs> And the Lord took hold of him, and he started be doing elder uh, responsibilities. Then all of a sudden, as he was progressing, he started doing pastoral responsibilities. And the Lord told me, don't call him Elder Pastor, uh, Elder Charlie anymore. Call him Pastor Charlie. Okay. So then we began to go through the licensing process that he had to go through. So I'm not trying to make somebody something. The Lord is the one that makes somebody something. I just acknowledge it and recognize and say, oh, okay, he's doing that, so now we have to, you know, respond in the natural sense. And so God is looking for what kind of people? It's called fat people. Not fat, yes. Let me explain. Okay, I got your attention. That's at least, okay. Fat meaning... Faithful, available, trainable, right? You've heard that before. Faithful, available, and trainable. So he doesn't... Faithful, F, faithful, A, available, T, trainable. So he doesn't, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Do you understand that? In other words, you don't come ready package. Okay, ready, I'm perfect. No, he works with you as you come. He sees what's in your heart. He knows where you're going to be. He knows how he can uh, minister to you, and he believes that he can change your heart and your way. So in Matthew 25, 21, which is one of the scriptures that, that Tony sings, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now notice he says, well done, thou good and He didn't say talented. He didn't say uh, gifted. He didn't say anointed. He said faithful. Can you just be faithful? Can you just come to church every Sunday? Can you just read your Bible? Can you just pray? And as you keep doing that, it accumulates and, and multiplies in your life, and you're becoming more and more built up in the Lord. Amen? Can I get an Amen. Amen. Got to work on our signs. <laughs> now, let's shift gears a little bit. I got, this is a three-parter. We just did the first part. Now, the second part is in Deuteronomy. Let's skip to Deuteronomy 7 through 6. And we're going to have our, our brother Richard read that in a minute. But it wasn't because you were so good-looking that God called you. It wasn't because you were all that in a bag of chips. It wasn't because you were special above everybody else. Right? We, we tend to think that, don't we? We tend to think, well, the Lord chose me. 
<laughs> because he knows who I am. <laughs> well, you're not that great. You're not that anything. The Bible says there's only one that's good, and that's God. So God in you will make you good, not you yourself. Because you know you can flip in a minute. You could be going along all holier than that, and all of a sudden start cussing. and go like, what, what happened? Oh, my gosh. Did you say that in church, Pastor? Yes. I have seen people do this. <laughs> I've seen people hold grudges. I've seen people be unforgiving. I've seen people be mean, take people, swindle people. In church, yes, in church. Sometimes you have to stand them up and say, don't do any business dealings with this guy because he'll take you to the cleaners. Some, some people know what I'm talking about. So uh, there's things on the inside. Paul said it this way. He says, uh, I, the things that I try to do, I don't wind up doing the things that I don't want to do. That's what I find I'm, I'm doing, right? Get mad at somebody, get jealous at somebody. Why are you doing that? Well, there's still things on the inside of us. When we meet Jesus and we're completely and total, totally cleansed of all that, well, then we, we, you know, we have smooth sailing. But until then, it's an effort, it's a work, it's a challenge. Praise God. So let's look at this in, in Deuteronomy 7. Richard's going to start reading for us. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special purpose above all, the peoples on the face of the earth. Okay, a couple of things we want to just uh, highlight on that, uh, six. You're a holy people. Isn't that nice? Holy means separated. In other words, he, he, he called you to himself. He wants to isolate you or uh, section you to where you are alone with him. He's a jealous God. He want, like when you're dating somebody, you don't want them dating other people, do you? <laughs> no. I thought we were special together. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I just like to do some things with other people. What? No, you're a holy people to the Lord your God. He has what? Chosen you before the foundation of the world. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that nice to know that he chose you? He saw you in your mother's womb. He said, I know. The Bible says he knows those that are his. He chose you to be a people, a special treasure. Wow. In the New Testament it says, God has been made rich because we who belong to him have been given to him. We're special. You know, my wife, when I first started dating her, you know, she would write a note, you know, you're so special. I thought, what do you mean, like special ed? Or what do you mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like special for somebody else, but not for me? I mean, what do you mean special? Look, could you clarify that? But we're a special treasure above all the peoples of the earth. Isn't that nice to know? Yeah. We're above everybody. Okay, next, scripture, next uh, verse says what? The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Okay, so he didn't say, you know, you're the strongest, you're the best, you're the greatest. In those days, if you had a lot of people in your army, you were considered strong. He said, I didn't choose you because you were the strongest. He said, I didn't choose you because you were the strongest. Because I loved you. It's love that determined that he chose us. Isn't that nice to know? And the next scripture says, But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you 
from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now look at this. Because he loved you, he kept the oath, the vow, that he said, I'm going to bring you out of bondage. What has the Lord promised you? What has he spoke to you in your heart that you're Siblings are going to be saved, that your father, your mother are going to be saved, that you're going to be healed, that you're going to uh, not have to live in this uh, debt all your life, that you're going to be able to see, you're going to be able to... All these things the Lord has promised, He said, I, because I love you, I'm going to keep the promise that I've given to you. He's faithful to keep His promises. Have you ever broke a promise? Have you ever made a promise to somebody and then you try to skirt out of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple of people acknowledge it, but some people say, you know, like when people, you, you say, I'll help you move, and then, you, then they call you, and you go, oh, I can't answer that now. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Oh, did you call me? Oh, my, the reception, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Deuteronomy 7, 9, last uh, in this sequence here. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandment. So he's calling himself a faithful God. If he's calling himself faithful, guess what? He is faithful. No, he wants you to know this, that the Lord your God is a faithful God. You can count on him. You can lean your whole entire human personality, leaning on him, saying, Lord, I'm, trust I'm just trusting and believing in you. Doesn't look like it, doesn't seem like it, but I have your promise. Amen? He's a faithful. That's what you got to know, that he's faithful to his promises, whatever he has put in your heart to do. I like that about God. Don't you like that about God? It's his character. It's his goodness. He expects, and the, the last part, he expects you to be faithful too. Right? Isn't that what it says? With those who love him and keep his commandment. What? A, there's, a, there's a condition on that. He didn't say, I'll just be faithful no matter you do whatever you want to do. You have a part that you have to play. You have to pray. You have to get up early. You have to talk to the Lord. You have to have fellowship with Him. Praise God. Now, in the Bible, there's 1,500 ifs. If you do this, then I'll do that. Did you know that? God wants us to do something. He says, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God and do all of his commandments, then I will prosper you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will and it will be done for, uh, done for you by my Father in heaven. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good. If, 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 if. That's the biggest word in the Bible. If you can do this, then God will do that. Praise God. Now let's look at this uh, scripture and this is the New Testament correlating to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar purchased people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How does that relate? Well, he chose us. We're a chosen generation. We're a holy people. We're a holy nation. We're a special treasure. He purchased us. Praise the Lord. So I want to relate to you a story as we wind this down. Anybody know about Jacob and Esau? Heard that story, Jacob and Esau? They were twin brothers, and they were born together, but Jacob was called a trickster, a heel catcher. He grabbed the heel of his brother trying to get in to be the first one out, right? Even at a young age, even as an infant. And uh, 
so they, they, they call him that, heel catcher, trickster. And so uh, the Bible says what? Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, or not loved as much. But why would the Lord love a trickster? Same reason why he loved you. <laughs> I, I know you, you guys didn't, weren't born just like holy, perfect, and everything, you know. We, we have our little ulterior motives. We're selfish. We want to get things, you know. Our, we want the table to lean our way. Praise the Lord. Remember when we were growing up? Richard, you can remember this. When you get into a car, shotgun. <laughs> that was it. If you got shotgun, you were the, you were, you were the man, okay? <laughs> Those other people sit in the back. How silly. A seat in the car, right? That's how silly we are. That's how selfish we are. But Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So Jacob was such a trickster that what happened was he used to, you know, cook with his mom, and Esau used to hunt with his dad, and he'd go out and find game and everything. So when, when Esau came back, he was hungry, he was tired, and Jacob was making some stew. And so Esau said, can I have some of that stew? And Jacob thought to himself, hmm, I can trick my brother right here. He's hungry, he's tired. And uh, he'll do anything. He said, I'll give you some soup if you sell me your birthright. And Esau said, what good is my birthright if I die? You ever been so tired and, and hungry, you feel like you're going to die? It's like, I just need something to eat right now. And that's the way he felt. So he sold his birthright. And that's why God didn't like Esau. He paid no attention to his birthright. But Jacob tricked him. Have you ever been tricked by somebody? all nicey-nicey to you, all of a sudden, you know, like they're nowhere to be found. What about that $700 I, I lent you? What, what, what that happened? Oh, uh, well, you know, things happen, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> How many of you lost more than $1,000 in your life to friends? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Unrecoverable. Only the Lord can come in and make up the difference. So anyway, now to make matters worse, this is not your, just your ordinary trickster. Jacob after that, found out that his father, who was losing his eyesight, was going to give Esau the blessing before he passed away. His mom heard about it and says, quick, Jacob, uh, go get some, some game, bring it to your dad, and he'll give you the blessing. His own mom tricking his, his, her husband. Praise the Lord. So they did that, and he said, but, but mom, I'm, I'm not hairy like Esau. He said, I'll give you some animal skins, put it on your arm, put it on the back of your neck, and that way when he touches you, he'll say, oh, it's Esau. Okay. So he got the game, and he brought it to, to his dad, Isaac, and Isaac said, man, you got that game fast. And you know what he did? He blamed it on the Lord. The Lord helped me. <laughs> oh, my God. Bringing the Lord in on his scheme. And so he says, okay. He said, but... The voice sounds like Esau, but you smell like uh, Jacob. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the voice sounds like Esau, but you, but you smell like Esau. The voice sounds like Jacob, but you smell like Esau. Because the, father, the, the, the mother put his clothes on him so he could smell the, and he got real close to him like, he goes, let me touch you. And if I was Jacob, I'd be shaking in my boots, wouldn't you? Yes. I'd be like, oh, my God. I hope, I hope, he, doesn't, I hope he doesn't figure this out because I'll be in big trouble. 
And he just stood there and held his ground, took the blessing, and got out of there. And guess what Esau did? He said, that little trickster, if I get a hold of him, I'm going to wring his neck. I'm going to kill him. As soon as my dad dies, he's a goner. And he hightailed it out of town. He ran as far as he could, as long as he could, until nighttime. And then he put a rock on the ground and slept there. And guess what happened? God came to visit him. Now, why would God do that? This is a trickster. This is a guy that tr tricked his own brother, his own father, with the help of his mother. You think, why would God, you know, because you've done terrible things. You've messed up, right? You've made mistakes. You've missed opportunities. But God said, I'm faithful. I'm with you. I'm going to help you through this all. So let's see what happens here in the Scripture. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Have you ever had that happen to you? No. Okay, keep going. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What kind of God are we serving? Faithful God. He said, I will keep my promise to you even if you don't do everything that you're supposed to do right. I like that about God. So, in Genesis, the next, so here's what Jacob responds in the next scripture. Then Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Kind of amazing what he's saying here. It's a threefold request. I need your presence, I need your divine presence, I need your divine protection, and I need your divine restoration, right? It says, I want you to be with me, I want you to provide for me bread to eat, and I want you to restore me back to my father's house. But didn't he already say that? God already told him, I'm with you, come on. The angels from heaven came down on the ladder, he's with them, he said, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll give you all this land, and I'll bring you back to his father's house. But he vowed a vow. Here's the big if. God, he said to God, if you do this, God, then I will do that. Now, here's the crux of the message today. Have you ever made a vow to the Lord and said, Lord, if you do this, I will do that? Amen? I know when I was growing up, when I was in grade school, I used to get in trouble a lot. I don't know how that happened. It just seemed like I walked into it. <laughs> and I would have to pray this prayer, Lord, if you help me get out of this one, I'll, what, finish the sentence, serve you all the days of my life. I must have prayed that 10 or 15 times, and every time the Lord delivered me. Is that not right? If, Lord, you delivered me, and he did. But guess what? On the back end, I wasn't able to fulfill my promise. 
I wasn't able to serve. I, in fact, I kept messing up to finally I got to the point where I said, you know what, Lord? I give up. I can't do it. Uh, it's useless for me to try to live holy and be, be righteous before you because I didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So I said, I give up. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing, and whatever happens, happens. Big mistake, right? But lo and behold, after I would messed up for 10 years and got to the point where I really needed him again, I said, Lord, I'm going to say it again. If you can get me out of this one, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And guess what happened? He did, and I did. And that's been 35 years ago. So you know what? The Lord knows when you make a promise that he's not tied to the time limit. He's saying, I know that you're going to do it eventually, so I'm going to be there to help you and be the one to encourage you to make it come to pass. Praise the Lord. It's like a lady that says, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to go on a diet. Well, that was two or three years ago. (laughs) But she's prompting herself. She's saying, I'm planting seed. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do things that I'm supposed to do. So God will meet you there where you're at, and he'll actually help you. And let's see what he did right here in Genesis, the next scripture. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely, surely give a tenth to you. Okay, so he said, I'm going to tithe. Hallelujah. Lord, if I tithe, I'm going to believe that you're going to do great and mighty things on my behalf. Praise the Lord. One more scripture, I think. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethlehem and, yeah, and draw near and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself and change your garments. So what he's saying is, after a period of chapters here, he said, okay, it's time now to go back to Bethel where you were in distress and where you were asked for me to help you. It's been, you know, 17 years. God hadn't forgotten. But he's there to help. Remember that promise you made? Maybe that vow you made? Let's fulfill it now. A couple more scriptures. Then let us arise and go up to the Bethel. Can I say that word? And I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the turbent, turbent tree which was by Shechem. Shechem? Shechem. Yeah, so God's saying, you know what? Remember that promise you made that, you, that if I took care of you and brought you back and preserved you, that you would give a tenth to me and that you would put away your foreign gods? Hello? Jacob said, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. God said, let me help you. <laughs> let me remind you. And believe it or not, Jacob's wife had foreign gods in her own camp. They had the clean house. And God was going to remind you, didn't you say that you're going to serve me all the days of your life? Didn't you say that you're going to up your, 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 your devotion and dedication to me? I know this is how I got into this place where I'm at now where I give my whole life to the Lord. I remember when I was first saved and I would get out of trouble. I said, Lord, if you do this, I'm going to up my service to you. I'm going to live for you more and more. Help and serve the people of God as much as I can. And I kept doing it and doing it. 
closer and closer to the Lord. It's like going into a, 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 some water in the ocean. You just get deeper and deeper. Okay, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to keep it. Lord, oh, okay, now it's up to here. Now I got no place to go. I can't go back. It's, I know what it's like over there. I'm just going to serve you where I'm at. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm telling the Lord, Lord, you're faithful. If you get me out of this one, if you heal my body, if you bring me back to restoration, I'll serve you in a fuller, greater way. You can do that yourself. You can say, Lord, if you do this for me, then I will do that for you. Now, the Bible says don't make an oath before God in Numbers. In Romans, I mean, in Numbers it says if you do it, you better keep it. Romans says don't even try it because you might mess up. Amen? But the Lord will help you fulfill what you have in your heart, what he's already planned for you to do. Isn't this good news that, you know what, where you're at right now is not where God wants you to end up? There's more for you. You think this is it? This thing, God saved you just to come to church and just to kind of hang around and, do, you know, talk with our friends and our family? There's more. There's much more out there. Do you want to take the, the nesty plunge? Do you want to go and say, Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going to let you minister and go through me and do the things that you want me to do? This is a challenge for you. And next week we're going to talk about these, these uh, things that I have listed up on the board, this next scripture, this last uh, scripture, and we're going to do a little, little practice here with you guys. Now, because of God's faithfulness, we have at least... How many do we have here? We have at least 13 things that he promises us. And what I want you to do now is look at these, and you're going to share with somebody else what you want God to do because of his faithfulness for you. And we're going to pray together amongst each other. He's called you into fellowship. How many of you know that he wants to be with you? He's called you into a closeness, a relationship. He watches over his word to perform it. He fulfills his promises. He fulfills his promises. He strengthens and protects you. How many of you need strength and protection? Praise God. He will not fail you. Oh, I like that. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Oh, you won't fail. I'm with you. But I feel so helpless. I'll help you. Well, I feel so weak. Well, I'll strengthen you. Well, what if I feel? I'll uphold you with my mighty right hand. Yes, it's never ending. He doesn't get to the point like, yeah, I've helped you so much now, you know, I can't keep going on like this. <laughs> That's what some husbands say to their wives. I've been doing this for so long, you know, I can't keep going on like this. I can't keep bailing you out. Okay. His mercies and his faithfulness are new every morning, 365, every day of the week, every day of the year. Mercy, Lord. Cry out, mercy, Lord. Next slide. He gives you guidance. How many of you need guidance? He helps you in temptation. How many of you are tempted? He's infinite. His faithfulness never ends. It's an infinitum. He forgives your sin, his faithfulness. He's faithful and just to forgive you of all sins. And his faithfulness must be declared amongst the heathen, amongst the brethren. So look at these, and I want you to find one that you want to have. Look at the scripture, and we're going to have you pray with each other about this. This is like uh, doing your homework at home. You ever have those in class where they said, okay, this is, I don't even trust you to do this at home. I'm going to make you do it in class. Let's go back to the number one, the first uh, slide there. Look at those. See which one, write down which one that you said is preeminent in your life right now that you need for him to do. Fulfill his promise, strengthen or protect you, 
new every morning, faithfulness new every morning. And then let's go to the next uh, slide. So in case, give, how many of you need guidance, need wisdom, need God to show you which way you're supposed to go? Okay. You got it? Are you, are you participating? You got it? Got it. Well, let me pray. Well, Father, I thank you that as we take this five minutes to share with each other the wonderful truths of your faithfulness to us, that we are going to impart it into our lives, into our being, into our lives that we are doing right now. And I just thank you, Father God, that you are going to cause us to see your faithfulness be manifested in our life. And so for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Carol.